It's Monday, you know what time it is. It's FRPC Boots. I'm your guy, Vince. And today, we're going to be talking about all of what's going down in the NBA in regards to the trades and what have you. We kind of talked about the Dame trade already. We're not going to really, like, comb over it with a fine-tooth comb, but we are going to go over some things because I think some people might have gotten some um, some facts wrong in this situation. So we're going to go over it a little bit, and then we're going to get into this Drew Holiday trade, and then what is next, obviously, in the NBA. Uh, first and foremost, I want to thank everybody for uh, getting on the podcast, man, just banging it out, giving us the reviews, giving us the ratings. I've been seeing the numbers, so thank you so much. Uh, please keep it up. Tell a friend, tell a co-worker. We, we really appreciate it. The other thing that I want to talk about is the YouTube channel. That's going strong. We over 10,000 um, views, which is incredible because we don't even really promote it the way we should as of yet. But with your help, we're going to get there, right? Um, so just a lot of love, a lot of appreciation in that matter. Now, the thing that I want to get to in regards to the Dame trade, because a lot of people have been talking about what Portland did, where Cronin did Dame wrong, and and all of these things. The one thing that I want to say about Portland, if you want to say that Portland failed Dame, I can understand that because you're talking about an organization and Dame has been a part of it for more than a decade. So I get that part. But if you want to talk about Cronin specifically, he's really not to blame. The O'Shea regime, that might be where some of your issues are. Okay? Um, It wasn't that long ago that podcasts and people in the media or the NBA media, if you want to call it that, um, and no disrespect to these people, they were talking about, um, has it, is it time to move on from Stotts? Remember that? Terry Stotts was a coach, longtime coach. Was the message being heard? Why is the defense not getting better? All of these things. These are all things that were literally talked about. I know it seems like a long time ago, but it really wasn't. This is like five years ago, but we forget. Now, if you want to tell me they held on to C.J. McCollum too long, I would agree with you. That is where you might have been able to make the biggest difference on uh, putting a team together that would be able to go ahead and create a championship type atmosphere for Dame in Portland. So I will hear you on all those arguments, but when you're killing Cronin for not sticking with Damian Lillard or some of these reports of Dame asked to come back and all of these things, here's the one thing that I'll say. Damian Lillard as a player is is an all-time great in Portland. He's an all-time great in the NBA. The guy has done some incredible things. The one thing that we will never uh, look at Dame as is some sort of defensive player. And now there's concerns about what's going to happen in Milwaukee. Do they have enough balance to be able to, you know, hide Dame, right? Now, it's it's that's their problem. Now, 
The plus side of the game, obviously, is all the offense. We talked about it in previous pods, so go check the archive pods with that. But I do want to say that when Dame asks for a trade and the agent goes out and says to the other 28 other teams, don't trade for my guy because he'll be extremely unhappy. Now, I understand why the agent is doing that. We saw it here in L.A. with Anthony Davis, so I'm not sitting here saying like, I, you know, as a fan of the Lakers, have I not benefited from some some tactics like this and and how unscrupulous it is? I'm not going to tell you all that. He was doing what he thought was right for his client. Bottom line. But at the end of the day, you can't sit there and then go back to the dude who you were trying to build this relationship with. You've been part of this organization with for you know more than a decade. And then tell him, hey, I'm thinking I might want to come back. When you really tried to handcuff him in his dealings with, with other teams in the league that would want, you know, Dame services. Now, time goes on. We get closer to camp. You're putting people's feet to the fire. Dame is sitting there going like, shit, I don't know if this is going to work out with the Miami deal. I better open up my possibilities here. And all of a sudden, you get a trade. Now, he goes to Milwaukee. I understand the Miami people are really upset. I'm going to get to you in one second. I promise. But for the people who are killing Cronin in this deal, understand he came in at a really tumultuous time. Paul Allen has passed away. You know, his sister is dealing with a, a just a, a fortune that is hard to, to, to wrap your head around. If you weren't part of the day-to-day situation, right? So Cronin and the basketball ops were basically left to their own devices to kind of build this team. And obviously, when you self-scout and you see that you have two diminutive guards in your backcourt and they're getting picked on, that there's time for a change. When you make one trade... And it doesn't seem to work out because you didn't have the second star to do what you did with the depth pieces around Dame. And then you add Jeremy Grant. And Jeremy Grant is a very good player. He will provide tremendous offense for wherever he ends up. And I'm not breaking any news here. I'm not saying he's being traded tomorrow because he can't be because he just signed the contract. But you can rest assured that these trades aren't over for Portland. Cronin hired Mike Schmitz, who did extensive scouting for ESPN. He's one of the draft gurus for them and really had a pulse on the international market and everything like that. And Portland signed him. So now we're in a situation where you're starting to see adjustments being made. You're starting to see different types of ideas being hatched in Portland. And I'm sure Dame could see it too. And the writing was becoming on the wall that maybe my time in Portland is up. Maybe my time of, you know, being Mr. Portland, Mr. Trailblazer, all that sort of thing is up. 
now you're in a situation where, you know, you start putting demands on the team. Like, if you don't get a veteran in here, you know, I might have to think about, you know, do I want to be a Portland Trail Blazer for life? This was a couple years ago. That's the Shaden Sharp. The, the Yeah, that's the Shaden Sharp comment. Okay, so it was going on. Not this last draft, but the draft previous. So keep that in mind. This is not just something that just happened overnight. It No, it simmered, simmered, got to a boil, and here we are. So we get to the end of this season. We get to the situation where they definitely weren't going to trade the number three pick for a veteran player because any time that has ever happened, it's never been for, for a star back. No one's going to take somebody theoretical and give you a star. No one, no one wants to do that unless they get, they know they're getting LeBron. They know they're getting whomever. They know they're getting, you know, for this podcast, I guess, James Harden. Uh, God forbid. We'll talk about him a little bit later as well. <clears throat> so you get all of that, and then as the offseason starts to really percolate and you start to see the free agency moves and everything like that. And Dame comes out with the ultimatum. I want to only be traded to the Miami Heat. And this is where I want to go. And it's your job to figure it out. Cronin's comments at that point were like, this is their deal is not good enough. Now, the reports coming out from Brian Windhorse of ESPN is that Miami and the Trailblazers did not talk after that point. And we'll get to the Drew thing in a second and how that worked out. But did not talk after those preliminary conversations. They didn't even get an offer to come back in afterwards. So keep that in mind. They set up an offer. The offer was quickly rebuked. And then they decided to move on and see if they could wait for time. See if Dan would be a little bit more reasonable with his demands. Would he go to a championship caliber team instead of just one team? And lo and behold, we get to a week before training camp and Dan uh, stands softens. Now, he gives moves to Milwaukee. Milwaukee is accredited for pulling off a coup, how they get involved. Stories start to come out about their general manager and what he did. And, and, and you know, everybody talks about the pressure that Giannis put on and all of this. There's a lot of narratives floating around out there. The main thing with this whole deal is this. It was always about Drew Holiday. And now we can get into it. So Drew Holiday, as everybody knows, is now a Boston Celtic. We are... <laughs> I know my people in the 617 and the 781 are really excited right now. They're, they're over the moon about what has gone on. Okay. Especially what's going on with the football team and the baseball team, but I digress. So Drew Holiday becomes the Boston Celtics. The Celtics go all in. If you listen to the previous pod, and I tell you, you should go back and listen to it. 
I said, if you want to help a young coach who struggled, a coach who showed maybe some chinks in the armor, you go get him a guy like Drew Holiday who can be a coach on the floor and also kind of help you lead you through some of these rough terrains that go on throughout the season and also into the postseason because of all his vast experience he's had in the postseason. Okay, we talked about that. They did it. So the the actual trade, as everybody would know, is that Drew Holiday goes to the Boston Celtics. Now, the <laughs> what they get back is they get back Robert Williams, the center, athletic, athletic as hell, great defender, good switch defender, and they also get uh, Malcolm Brogdon. Now, remember, Brogdon was part of a trade that kind of fell apart, uh, I guess, in Memphis for Porzingis. And they ended up trading Marcus Smart. So keep that in the back of your hat. So Brogdon was not wanted by the Celtics, and we'll get into that in one second. And they're trading, in a sense, high on Robert Williams because of the fact that this guy misses a lot of games. And I know a lot of people sit out there, well, you don't understand the new NBA and the low management and blah, blah. No. Go look at his basketball reference. Go look at the amount of games he's missed over his uh, five seasons, and you tell me. All right? But upside play, very good defensive player, doesn't need the ball in his hands to score. Uh, great energy guy. Definitely going to pro- provide you a, uh, I would call it a defensive anchor. Right? If you didn't get it out of Aiton, you're definitely getting it out of Robert Williams. And getting Malcolm Brogdon for that young group who can be a, a, versatile, a versatile piece and help with leadership is actually a good idea. Uh, the thing that Drew Holiday would have been able to provide the Portland Trailblazers in that respect, Malcolm Brogdon can do that. Now, here is the reason why Malcolm Brogdon is no longer a Celtic. Yes, we do understand about the trade that happened before. He was unhappy. That much is true. The other thing is, is that I don't think the Celtics were truly uh, excited about the Malcolm Brogdon experience last year. He can hunt his own shot. His playmaking ability is suspect to me personally. I don't think he gets people involved nearly as much as people think he does. Um, The word around that camp is that he did not. He did not involve other players. Obviously, i.e., Jalen Brown, and Jason Tatum. People would say, well, they need to be more aggressive. I don't know. You know? Um, But a microwave guy off the bench for the Portland Trailblazers, when you sometimes your offense will get bogged down because you've got a bunch of young guys running around, and here's somebody who can definitely set up the offense and whatever, definitely this is a good idea. So kudos to Cronin on the back end on making that deal. A lot of people have stressed about, you know, what they got, what they got, what they got. And here's the thing. Dame is 33. 
uh, Dame did fetch in the end of the result of the haul. And mind you, I don't think it's done. And we'll get to that in a second. But I got to get to Miami. I got to show them love in a second. But at the end of the day, they got three first, couple swaps, couple young players to move around. Drew Holiday was the other piece to get them the the other, you know, the other picks that they would need and things of that nature. So, I mean, I think they did well. I think actually it's more like three actual picks and they ended up with three swaps. It's two from Miami and I think one from Boston as well. So I think they did very well in this and what the hall was. Getting to Miami and Miami feeling like they were wronged. There's a couple ways to look at it. On my previous pod, I talked about maybe this is what they wanted to happen in the first place is to kind of see what the, the background movement was that you could not see until the Dame thing got out the way. And maybe they kind of threw their hat into the ring early, sort of speak or whatever to, um, you know, kind of get the, the the conversation started so then they could see the chess moves in the background to see where they were going to go ahead and put their strategic chess, chess uh, checkmate on the whole thing. Sorry, got tongue-tied. Apologize about that. So, <clears throat> this is what I laid out in the last pot. Now, Drew Holiday. There are reports that there was some engagement from the Miami Heat in Drew Holiday. He didn't obviously necessarily end up there. And now Miami's looking at it where we kind of sat around for because we thought we had a deal in place for Dame. And now we're going into the season like this. Obviously for Miami Heat fans... I'm sure you're very, very disappointed in what happened. Are you disappointed in Portland in their, if you want to call it, their refusal to work with you? Or are you more disappointed in that your front office didn't get the third team involved to get the necessarily pieces that went to um, Portland to get day? Because, I mean... That was Nico's point. Nico was on the on, on the previous pod, so get into that. Our guy, Yelma's work, right? So now what? Now what for the Heat? You know, I think that's the obviously the next question. You know, some somebody put out there James Harden. That that is not going to happen. He is not. In the heat culture type situation. Alright. Well then who is the next guy? Some people would, port, would point to Philadelphia. And go what's going on up there. By the way this is Monday. Did James Harton report to training camp? No. Was he there for media day? No. So we're, we're off to a good start in Philadelphia. So I'm sure they are closely monitoring the Embiid of it all, right? 
but you know that that New York and other teams are going to have better packages than you. So now what do you do if you are the Miami Heat? The one thing I do not worry about is that the Heat will always find a way to kind of retool and kind of... They're not afraid to kind of suck for a second to get better. I'm not saying that that's what you're looking forward to, South Beach, so don't don't get too hyped up about it. But if there was a team that could sell their 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 uh, players on, you know, they they dogged us out. They kind of stymied all the things we wanted to do because they're scared of us. The NBA as a whole is scared of us because they saw what we can do, you know, when we can just get in, right? I mean, I'm sure that will be the rallying cry of one Eric Spolstra to Jimmy Butler and the rest of the cats in that locker room. Because whatever we think of heat culture, it's super real. I'm tired of... um, trying to, to, to poo-poo the point, it, it's real. They do have a like a bunker mentality, and they'll figure this out. Now, will this be the year they make a run like they did last year? I don't know. I don't think so. Everybody sees the firepower up at the top of the league, of, of the conference. Everybody sees it. So this might not be the year for that. But as long as the Heat keep their powder dry, and they're the type of teams that make the little moves that mean a lot too. They their developmental staff is is one of the one of the best in all the NBA. So they're unearthing gems as we speak. But yes, you need to have prerequisite talent to make up for what you don't have in actual numbers. And this is where we are right now with the Miami Heat. They're in a dire situation. So I do not, I want to see what the spin is. Uh, I got to talk to some people in Miami and see see what the situation is on the spin of what Spolster and Riley had to say about what their outlooks were for this year. So I can't wait for that. Now, getting back to Portland and what they got and what have you. All right, here's the other thing that a lot of people aren't even recognizing. This actually can become a true competition between DeAndre Ayton and Robert Williams, two guys who are about 25 years old, two guys kind of the influx in their careers, right? They're like little crossroads. One can't stay on the court because he can't stay healthy, and the other guy seems to be almost kind of like dead on arrival as far as just like energy and momentum and just the, the desire. Or what have you. Um, The one thing I know about DeAndre Ayton. Is that I don't think we're going to get more. Aggression from him. He's just not that type of player. Can you get him to play with more energy? Yeah. You you can get him to play with more energy. That's the hope. And that's the prayer in Portland. But if for some reason you don't. There's a guy behind him. That like. As far as drafting off minutes. If you got Robert Williams to play, you know, 20 minutes a game and then the other, you know, the other minutes go to DeAndre Ayton as far as that's concerned, 
that's that's significant. That's significant right there. Now you're getting the best of DeAndre Ayton, and you're getting the best of Robert Williams. And then you're providing the guards that you have now and the flexibility you have in the front court now to really flourish around all about two different types of, of centers. So you're going to be, be able to play in multiple ways. Scoot will be able to have a pick and pop partner in Aiton, and he'll have a rim runner in Rob Williams where he can work on the, on the uh, pick and roll. So as far as what Portland has done, you go, okay, you got the draft picks, here's the young assets, and, and what have you. We talked about what we thought Malcolm Brogdon can bring. Now, here's the other thing. If you rehab one of these guys and you decide that you want to move on from Aiton and or Robert Williams, you're now adding to the coffers of these number one draft picks that you already picked up. So the Dane trade is still not over. Could you imagine? It is still not over. Because what happens is they decide, hey, we really like the aggression of Rod Williams. We're not scared of the injury. I think we can kind of coax him into, you know, playing more. Maybe we can take a little less aggression for him, and then that will help him to stay healthy. I don't, you know, I don't know. It's all out there. It's all up, you know, it's all up for um, speculation at this point. We don't know. But if you decide that you want to move on from um, Aiton, you do have that capability. If you want to move on from Rob Williams because you're sitting there going, his contract is easily gettable by a lot of people, and then you can you you can flush it out with picks. You can do that too, and that is the point of this whole thing. Is that now everybody was like killing Cronin on what he's done and why this doesn't work and why is this why is this terrible and all this other stuff, but the Dane trade is the gift that continues to give. Not just because the pick's down the line, not because of the swaps that we haven't seen yet. It's because Cronin still has more ammunition to trade from. And that is why you make the deal that is best for the team and not best for the superstar. So where do we go from here? There's a couple things that we kind of really need to talk about. The Clippers made a real offer to acquire Drew Holiday. Unfortunately, they didn't have the the that that nugget in the deal that was uh, tempting enough because you know uh, Terrence uh, Terrence Man who I think is a nice little piece who's played well in, in, you know, some high leverage games for them. It's one of those situations where you get kind of in, you kind of get seduced by the upside of Rob, what Robert Williams can be. Cause you've seen him play at a high level in some high intensity playoff games and he is not wilted. So you you are just absolutely amazed at what you might be able to get out of him. So I can't sit there and, and be mad about what, you know, oh, they didn't take the Clipper offer over 
over the uh, the Boston offer. The reports that Zach Lowe are talking about is it looks like Sacramento just couldn't pull a trigger on, on a deal for Drew Holiday. And it had a lot to do with the re-signing of the guys that they had on the team that we kind of looked at when they did it and said, yeah, that's good. And yeah, we kind of like the continuity thing that you're trying to build. But could you have maybe upgraded Harrison Barnes? You know, or got a young, you know, young talent in there that you could develop or whatever and take a step back to take a step forward. You know, there were questions about that. And then Golden State also seemed to be relatively quiet on the Drew Holiday front. Miami tried to get into the, the to that situation. We talked about that. It didn't work out. The people who were looking at OKC, they were very quiet and mum on their thought process on Drew Holiday. And the New York Knicks decided to continue to keep their powder dry until the big, the next big fish jumps up. So those are the teams that kind of floated out there on the Drew Holiday thing. Um, Philly couldn't work anything out. They tried. But I think they have a piece that they need to take care of first before they can move on and try to do anything with like a guy like Holiday. So that was a problem there. And can you, if you're Milwaukee, can you feel any worse right now? It's like you get Dame. Dame is excellent. You know, he has his jersey. His kids with him. He's looking at his jersey in the locker. There's people outside screaming his name. They're so excited to have Damian Lillard in Milwaukee. I mean, this is a star. This is a superstar. This is a guy. You know, you're pairing with your your guy. And you're going, man, this is going to be great. And then, like, what, 48 hours, 72 hours later, you got Drew Holiday back in the Eastern Conference and not only in the Eastern Conference, really to the other team that you are literally looking at eye to eye, right? If, if, if we're being real honest right now, the Knicks, you know, the the Cavaliers, um, the 76ers right now, and I'm sure MB with a lot of pride would not agree with what I'm about to say. Um, but those teams are... are a level down from what Boston and Milwaukee are. Now, we've been wrong before, but we haven't been wrong too many times. But, I mean, talent-wise, unless something goes way wrong, it's way haywire, and listen, either way, it could happen. You know, you know, Dame wasn't, hasn't been the most healthy, but we all know that now the, the calf thing wasn't real last year. It was more of a tank situation. For Portland to get this pick. And then, you know, you got the injury with Christoph Porzingis. And, you know, what's the foot look like? What's it, you know, he's 7'2", seven, 7'3". Seven, he moves different. So, we'll see how it all plays out. There's a lot of injury concerns on both sides of that. So, I can see why New York and Cleveland and other teams are like, we'll see. We'll see. 
Um, <laughs> I'm just, I don't know who the next superstar is going to be. I mean, you can definitely, you can definitely see the the smoke signals from Philadelphia are out there. But you never know who will be the disgruntled superstar that pops off. But we definitely will see with that. Um, let's see if there's anything else we kind of need to talk about on this particular thing. We got with. Okay, we got. Yeah. Okay, so now we got all these teams that are out there that did not get holiday. What are the Clippers going to do? What is Philadelphia going to do? You know, what are the Heat going to do? The Heat, like I said, they have to be really strategic and they have to be super aggressive with the next guy that comes out because here's the thing. They don't have enough for Embiid. Embiid is a pipe dream from them unless Embiid says, you know, he does the whole damn thing. I only want to go to the Miami Heat, you know, and then Daryl Morey will look at him and be like, no, we're not doing that going to get the best deal, right? So, I mean, you got to see who might have some diminishing returns. And I know the first person you think of is James Harden to Miami. I'm still thinking no. Still thinking no. But you have to look at a guy that maybe you can, you know, you got like, what, three first-rounders and whatever. You're going to have to throw the kitchen sink at, whoever the next guy is. But understand when you're talking about the highest level of the next guy, of the next disgruntled superstar, that might not be your your actual your rent district. You might be like a couple, like a, a step or a step couple steps below that. Because if Embiid becomes in, un, becomes available, Knicks other teams, they got way more assets are going to come raining down onto Goth, onto Philadelphia to get this to get this guy. So again, Miami probably is going to have to be crafty. This might be another Jimmy Butler type of thing. This might, you know, what I'm saying you might be looking at some guy like, um, you know, who you think has like the heart of Jimmy Butler and kind of hasn't gotten a fair shake to do the things he can do or whatever. So you might have to do, go to your pro scouts and find somebody, hey, who who are we sleeping on? Who's who's that hard worker, that grinder, that who's the next Jalen Brunson, right? Who's the next one? That's a good name to throw out there. Who's the next Jalen Brunson? Who's the next guy who's going to take that step? And yeah, he might not be a superstar, but he a star, right? And if you keep on collecting stars, now you got a constellation, you know, because you got Jimmy, you got Bam, you added another real, real solid piece to that. And I'm not saying they'll they're gonna be right there with Boston and Milwaukee and whatever, but did the Heat not show us that they're not scared of any situation? They're just not. And they're going to keep coming until you beat them, until you kill them. They are absolutely the Michael Myers of the NBA. You got to kill them. You got to finish them off because if you don't, they'll come back. 
So that might be the way if I'm Miami, I would be looking at it. The terrain might be way harder to get the that that top top tier guy, but can we get that develop that underdeveloped star or that guy who we think is a star who's just got an axe to grind and he can get to another level, right? That is the type of guy you're looking for. Now, when it comes to Philadelphia, it comes down to can you trade hard or not? And right now, this thing is about to get ugly. They're the 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 shitty part about the whole thing, honestly. It's not that they're in this situation. Yes. It's not that they're in this situation. It's that, okay, there is a way out. If James came to camp and said, hey, I'm here. I'm here to do whatever it takes to, you know, you know, play the game. You know, I'm here to do whatever coach asked me to do. I'm here. You know, I'm, I'm here to do my role for as long as I'm going to be here. I mean, you can even throw as long as I'm going to be here out there. You can do all the passive-aggressive stuff, all that. But if you showed up, real business-like, said, yep, it's a business. It didn't work out for me um, in the off-season. I'm here, though, dedicated. I'm about to show people what they're getting, blah, 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 all that. You can do all of this. Or you could go in there and say, hey, I'm just here to grind and work and, you know, and not do passive-aggressive. I just don't think it would it's, – it's not in James' nature not to do that. But he took the other route, just not showing up. And to me, that's the problem. It's like for Philadelphia to be able to trade him and get what they would need back. Because I can see it on the team on the other side. Like, if I'm the Clippers. I'm going – it hasn't worked with these two guys, and now we're going to add Harden into this deal. And, you know, what happens if Kawhi gets hurt? Is he going to pout like he did in Brooklyn? See, now the reputation he's built is going to follow him. Whether it's better, whether it's not right or right, it's going to follow him. And he's done this in a couple of situations now. And now he's doing it again. And how can you bank on somebody like that? How can you put resources into somebody like that? How can you trust somebody like that? And that's what it comes down to. So I'm fascinated to see how this works. I think Philadelphia blows it up before they try to, you know, I understand like you could try to hold on to this. You could. I understand why you would try to, but you know what? Sometimes it just doesn't work. And it's time to, you know, get as much as we can for all these cats, you know, and, and decide like, oh, we're holding on to Maxi. That's the guy we build around. All the rest of these dudes are gone and let's go. You know, and see what you get from New York or whomever for Embiid and go. I understand that's not popular. I understand Philadelphia fans don't want to hear it. I get it. You guys suffered through a lot, a lot of losing to get guys, and you thought you had the team, and Ben Simmons was super tall, and he was a point guard, and he did all these things, and then he didn't dunk a basketball over a five foot ten midget. And it changed everything. And now we're here. 
and it sucks to be you, and it sucks to have banked on the wrong guy in James Harden. But you took a risk. It didn't pay off. It's just like Dallas. They got Christoph Porzingis. It didn't pay off. They doubled down on Kyrie. We'll see how it all works. But, man, I ain't hip to that situation either. So, there it is. Um, and when it comes to the, to the Clippers, it's basically, what do you do? You need more. You see the arms race that's going on in the East. You saw what the Lakers did. They loaded up. They got a bunch of dudes. You know, they replenished their depth and also kept some of their um, their young pieces together. And um, they're going to be there for a while. Denver is still the team. You know, Phoenix has a ton of firepower. You know, what is what is Memphis when Jog is back? Are they out, out of the race because of all of all of what has happened with like the tremendous talents in, influx that has happened in the West? I mean, that's another story for another day. What is New Orleans? Before Zion got hurt, they were number one seed. There's so many there's so many teams out here. That we're sitting here going like, oh, yeah, they were good. Think about the Pacific Division by itself. Now, I know we think more conference now than we did before, but just think about the Pacific Division onto itself. You got Sacramento, who won the division last year. You got Golden State, four-time NBA champions, Steph Curry, all that. Now, Draymond's hurt. Looks like he's going to miss four to six weeks with an ankle sprain. That could hurt them. Getting off to a slow start now means a whole different story than it did two weeks ago. Um, you know, you got Memphis. Memphis has won a lot of games the last couple of years. They've been knocking on that door. Can they hold it together until... until Ja arrives. You got New Orleans. New Orleans is on the rise. Zion, is he going to be healthy? I mean, that's always going to be the question. But when that dude was healthy, they were in the number one seed. So keep that in mind. But let's talk about, oh, I'm sorry, we were just talking about the Pacific Division. So you got Sacramento, you got Golden State, you got the Clippers, you got the Lakers, and you got the Suns. Think about that. That's five teams in a division where you're sitting there going like this, like any any one of these teams could win that division. Now, I always say with the Lakers, you know where I've been on this. I know I might be the only wet blanket person who is a Laker fan, whatever, but if you don't get a full season from AD and a full season from LeBron. And I'm not saying 82 games, man. Like, let's let's not be unreasonable. My whole thing was the magic number is 135. However that plays out, those two guys need to play a combined 135 games. If you get that, the Lakers team is in the mix. It's just we have not seen it. So, for me, I got a hold. I got a hold. You know what I'm saying? I got a hold right now. 
you know, I got reservations. Party of one. I might be the only one on this island, but I will stay here. I will stay on this island until they prove me wrong. All right. Um, and then you got Phoenix who loaded up with Bradley Bill and they got, you know, obviously Kevin Durant and they got, you know, we everybody loves the piece of Eric Gordon going there on a minimal salary and all the other little pieces they pick up. The Terrence Rods of the war of the world, the uh, Yuta Watanabe's of the world, you know, and then in this in this trade, in the Portland trade, the first one, the Dame one, they picked up Grayson Allen. Some people say uh, regular season rotation piece. Some say really good outside shooter with the guys that they got, you know, and then. Who else did they pick up? Oh, Nasir Little. Love Nasir Little in this deal. But also, Nasir is still theoretical. It's not like, oh, you got this guy guy. Because if he was a guy, he wouldn't have been available, for, you know, because he's still young. And he's on a really cheap contract, basically. So the Pacific Division onto itself has five teams that literally you can put them all in a hat and say, hey, which one of these teams is going to win the division? And anybody who made an argument from whatever fan base, I can't argue it down. I can't. You know why? Because they got a good case. You betting against Steph until you until you know? Are you betting against him? I mean, we haven't seen it from Kawhi or Paul George. What, can we just count them completely out? Now, you could say, I, I, I don't say it. I don't. I got a lot of respect for what Sacramento did last year. What you could say is Sacramento for real. Now we got everybody back and people got the heads put on right. Is Sacramento for real? I don't think, I don't think they get worse. I don't. So I'm just saying it's a very competitive West. And the team that stays healthiest or the team that has insulated itself with more depth because of injury concern, that's the way you survive in the West. And good luck to you in the playoffs because I don't know. I have no clue. There's going to be some teams that are like seven seeds that we're sitting there going like, Dude, if they were in the East right now, they'd be like the third seed. No doubt. No doubt. But here we are. So it's going to be a fascinating situation. I hope we hit it all from all levels. Um, Again, I just want to give my heartfelt appreciation to everybody who is vibing on the YouTube channel and also on the podcast. Hit us up on Twitter. Uh, or X, sorry, I can't get used to that. Uh, at Frontrunner PC or at Nico FR PC, both are available to you. Get your questions in. Let's talk about basketball. Let's get it for my football people. Know that football is going to be back on Wednesday. We had some technical issues. Our internet went down here. It was crazy last week. But you're going to get a football pod. Trust me, it will happen. 
on Wednesday. So that's where we are with it. And hey, man, stay look on lookout for this feed because you never know. We have we never know what's gonna happen with uh, any of these uh, trade situations or whatever. But that is the Drew Holiday of it all. He is a Celtic. The Celtics are are stacked. They are stacked. So I can't wait to open the season and see how it all goes down. Y'all stay safe, man, and I'm out of here. Peace. Oh, <laughs>